I like sports, I could do something in sports. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a column man. Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcasting. Well, that's really not fair. The official score is halftime stats up. The Raptors shot 34.9% from the field in the first half, and they finished the game at 41.9%. That's pretty cool. They took him down. They they put they took him out. No, oh, this was a good game. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Box and One. The Toronto Raptors were back in action today, and boy, did they pick up from where they left off, dispatching the Lakers 107-92 with Lowry dropping 33 points. Pretty cool first game back, Pramit. Yes, and allow me. Sure, that's why we have you, if I may. Because I'm calling. Yes, I am calling out the U.S. sports media, except for one man. Our boy, Kendrick Perkins, who shows the Raptors respect. Meanwhile, we have the Stephen A. Smith, Matt Kellermans, Shannon Sharp, Skip Baylesses, the Chris Carter. The list goes on and on and on, and they never talk about the Raptors. It's always the two L.A. teams and Milwaukee. Oh, mi- oh who's going to come out of the East? Milwaukee. Oh, Philly. Really? Philadelphia. They're top. Two guys, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, cannot hit a three-point shot to save their life. Joel Embiid, by the way, who everybody thinks is the greatest big man in the league today, was held to zero points by the Raptors back in November, as you both recall. A big zero. That's what the Raptors' defense does. Oh, let's see what what they did to another big man, Anthony Davis, today. 35 minutes played, 2 for 7 from the field, 1 for 3 from 3, 9 for 9 uh, free throw uh, shooting, and only 6 rebounds, a minus 17 for the night, 14 points total. LeBron James and Anthony Davis combined average over 50 points a game combined. Today, they were held combined to 34 points. Yes, I am not going to make a big deal over one quote-unquote, regular season game. However, allow me to point out that this team did beat the Clippers, now a shorthanded Clippers, but they still beat a Kawhi Leonard-Paul George team two nights ago and are considered by many to be the favorite to win the NBA title this year. And Nick Nurse just schemed these guys to death tonight. Nothing. Like, they could... The only reason they were had a lead at halftime is because the Raptors were shooting poorly the first half. Raptors shot 34.9% from the field in the first half, and they finished with 41.7% shooting. Once they got the shot, their shot going, their Lakers were just completely outclassed. And think about it. Arguably, they had the two best players in the game outclassing, I mean, 
the two best players in the in, in this game, LeBron and Anthony Davis, and the Raptors just took them down. It, it was just it, it was ridiculous. They just got schemed and. Uh, even like Davis, a guy who's supposed to be an elite rebounder, was held to six rebounds. They boxed him. They double teamed him. They swarmed him. They were physical. He only got nine of his fourteen points for from free throws, which was bound to happen because they were going to get physical. And but even as a team, they rebounded them fifty-one to forty, I think. Right? Yes. Let's take a look at the final stats. Yeah, fifty-one to forty. Uh, LeBron but then Larry got 14. So, you know, I mean, they out rebounded them big time. Lowry. Lowry. Funny thing is, I thought Lowry was like, at some points in the game, I, I was telling him, I was like, Lowry's got to like <laughs> tone it down a little bit. Game one. I don't want I don't want him to like just wear himself out or just be hitting the floor all the time. So Yeah. And, and there were a couple of times there where I got a little bit nervous because, uh, you know, you, you see him going into the, into the, the, the stanchion of the of the basket, um, and you know Kyle was in you know mid season form, throwing himself around, and and he had like I was a little bit worried in the beginning of the game. Um, he didn't have the shot going, but you know to his credit, he kept himself in there, uh, got himself to the line, um, and you know he he, he was a, obviously a big reason for for the final result. But you know he's he's one of those guys we talked about in in the last podcast where. Um, you know, the Raptors haven't don't we weren't sure if they have that guy who can just pull them pull the pull the team out of the mud and, and he Kyle Kyle did it. Um and, and it was great to see him uh going one on one with Kyle Kuzma. And I don't like I wasn't sure was was w- did Kuzma end up on Lowry on a switch uh on three sep- on three possessions or were they actually trying to guard um Lowry with Kuzma? Was was that I think that was, was that the intention? I, I don't think that was a switch because they'd gone up against each other uh, a few times this uh, during this game, and I think they wanted the size. They, they I think they felt confident that Kuzma could um, guard him out there, and they wanted that length on Lowry. Cause... Yeah, and it didn't work. It re- it really didn't work. And and the thing that I loved was how the Raptors um, were guarding uh, AD in the first in the first quarter, first half, like m- m- most of the game. Um, you know they were they were throwing the double teams at him, getting the ball out of his hands, and uh, it worked. It worked. And Le- LeBron James finished ten and five, with, uh, twenty point rebounds and five, which is a good stat line. I mean, it's not a LeBron James stat line. Um, I mean, five assists for the league's leading assist guy was pretty good. Um, and even. Just taking a look through here, I think part of the reason, Ron, to add to your point about Kuzma, was they had Danny Green on Lowry early, but Danny Green, zero points. Now, he missed a lot of mm-hmm. open shots. Like, he looked like... Yeah, he was 0 for 7, too. Yeah, he looked like the Danny Green we saw at times in the playoff run last year when he'd go cold. So, not sure what was going on there. But they did actually... The Raptors did opt. To leave him open, like I, I think they really were zeroed in on Davis and LeBron because you saw early in the game a lot of guys. Like Kuzma was scoring a lot of, got sixteen points. Uh, he he scored a lot for them. Um, Dion Waiters ended up with twelve. I think the rap Caruso had eleven. I think the Raptors were just really just willing to let everybody else but Davis and uh, LeBron um, take shots. I think that was their game plan and. As Nick Nurse has become sort of the 
the co- like the uh, godfather coach of minimizing the impact of stars on the other team. Uh, he did it again. What can I say? Yeah, and, and it, you can really see the, the issues uh, that, that Kuzma has fitting into this team. Like, yeah, he had 16 points, but, you know, he shot 38%. And there were just some – there were some really – there was some really poor shot selection in there. Um, he, he just chucks them up. It, it looked like he got the ball, and the only thing he wanted to do was just was get his shots up. Mm-hmm. So the other player who probably made an impact, and we talked about it on uh, our chat group, uh, was uh, OG early on, right? We talked about him. What did you guys see different from him uh, this time around versus, you know, let's say earlier on in the season? He has handles. He can dribble. He's he was getting to the bucket. Um, he was really a three and D guy and a very good three and D guy prior. But at times his offense would go stagnant because if he wasn't hitting his three point shot, there really wasn't more he could provide on offense. So you'd really have to hope that he was bringing that elite level defense in order to keep him on the floor. But I mean, today, for example, he went eight for nine from the field, only. And went three for three from three, meaning that six of his shots were non-threes. And of those six, he went five for six. And he got to the free throw line. He took four free throws today. And I'm looking up his stats for the season. He doesn't get a lot of free. His free throw attempts for the year, he averages 1.4 free throws a game. Uh, 1.4 free throws a game this season, and he got to the line four times today because now he's able to put the ball on the floor, get to the basket. Uh, teams just can't sell out and hope that he scores threes, uh, shoots threes and settles for threes. So it's just opening up his game. We're seeing him get to another level. Yeah, and, and I think in addition to the the handles, which you know, they, there's been a lot of talk about the the work that he's put in uh, on on his handles, but uh, also off the ball, the the movement has been great. Um, cuts he got a couple of open baskets, and and you've seen it through um, the the three scrimmages as well. Just his ability to, to just find some space and get to the basket off the ball and and open himself up for an easy bucket. Um, that's that's really changed uh, changed what he's doing because you know before where and you saw it a couple of times here. We standing in the corner for the for the easy corner three, but. Um, he's become more than that, and uh, you know I, I'm, I'm looking forward to how they're going to use him. Um, obviously, we don't we don't need him to be um, the guy. I don't know if he's going to be the guy in in the next year or so, but um, the the fact that he can step in when we need somebody to step in, um, he's he's like he's shown a lot of improvement in in a short period of time in the bubble. Very impressive win tonight. So what is it something that you learned about the Raptors today or uh, what did you guys learn about the Lakers today? I know it's just one game, so you really can't put you know too much into it. First game back, just for the sake of argument, what do you guys think? I think the Lakers are a very, very good team. and But I do think that if you can just... And the Clippers are really... The Clippers for, uh, is sort of the, the arguably the better team, I would say. I mean, record notwithstanding, I think the Clippers are better, and the Clippers are really, really deep defensively. They have so many guys that can defend multiple positions that if you can just find a way to neutralize one of the two stars, like Davis or LeBron, just a little bit, 
I'm very comfortable letting guys like Contavious Caldwell Pope or uh, Marcus Morris or Kyle Kuzma just take shots. Be on way. I'm very comfortable leaving those guys open and forcing them to be forcing them to um, beat you. Um, LeBron will. LeBron obviously he doesn't have to score to be effective. He's back to being an elite defender. He'll get his rebounds. He'll get his assists. He's just incredible. But if you can find a way to slow down Anthony Davis by swarming him, double teaming him, taking his space away, they're beatable. They're very beatable. And I still think that the Clippers of the two LA teams are the better team. I think that it's a much more, they got so much more depth on that team on more guys that can beat you that you can't sort of, you can't really take that strategy of trying to neutralize either Paul George or Kawhi because they have enough around them to um, beat you. But I don't think the Lakers have that. And, and you know, I, I don't know that we uh, that we learned too much about the Lakers this game. I mean, yeah, like you said, I, we don't want to get too excited over one win for the Raptors. And also, you're not going to get too down on the Lakers um, after this game. Um, I think we learned more about the Lakers um, in their last game against the Clippers even though the Clippers were without Lou. Uh, but I think the fact that the Clippers really have nobody to guard uh, AD. And I know, Prime, you, you say that the Clippers are the better of the two teams. I still think um, AD is the, the differentiating factor between those two teams. And, and they the Clippers really have nobody that can, can handle AD. But in terms of, uh, in terms of the Raptors... Um, what I what what I found really interesting in this game is that the chemistry is is still there um, in a short period of time. Uh, you know, th- three games under your belt, uh, three meaningless games. Um, you, like if you just watch the rotations on defense, uh, like it, it's just it's such a pleasure to watch. Um, you know, you, you throw that double team at AD, and you think like there should be a man open, and it's going to be easy to get to him, and it should be an easy three in the corner. Uh, it, and it, it's not like you can see guys just running around the court and they're where they're supposed to be. And they make it really difficult on the other team to, to, to find easy, easy baskets. And it's just amazing that with such a long layoff that the Raptors are still able to, to, to have that chemistry and still have that great movement on defense and, you know, offense, um, it, it, it struggled a little bit in the first half and even overall in the game, like it, I think it came like later on in the game a little bit, but you know, they didn't have a shoot, great shooting game. They got their open shots. Um, but I, I think, yeah, just overall, the, the chemistry that I'm seeing. But, you know, the Lakers still have a, a big cushion over over the Clippers in the West. So, I, I like, I don't know. Are, are they going to be taking it easy for the next little while? Maybe. Um, but I think we're, you know, I, the Lakers are still the Lakers. are still a great team. Um, the, the playoffs are going to be – are going to be – a little bit more interesting than uh, than anything that we're seeing right now from from them. Yep, yep. So uh, let's say for argument's sake, um, Raptors and Lakers do face off, and obviously that's going to be in the finals if that happens. What are some of the adjustments Lakers do you think is going to make uh, with this Raptors defense, or what they need to make? They need to create space for Anthony Davis. They need to find a way to not let the Raptors double team him. Try to find a way to, I don't know, scream Gasol or Surge or just get bodies off of him and create, create that space so he can go to work down low. Yeah, I, I think maybe, uh, like, space is going to be big and, and you know, 
having maybe J.R. Smith step in and, and hit some shots. Um, uh, like Waiters, he, he might be important too if he can come in and start hitting some shots too. I, I think the the more you get going uh, around AD, will open st- more stuff up for AD. And I think sometimes, like, you know, they, they were very, very quick in the, I think it was in the second quarter. Like, they, they weren't even really forcing it to AD. Um, actually, it might have been the first when LeBron was out. Like, they, they weren't really going into AD at all. They weren't giving him the ball uh, on too many possessions. Um, and, and, like, you know, when Kuzma was in there, it, it was just, I think Kuzma, after the first quarter, had more points than, than AD had. And that's just because Kuzma was taking the ball and he was taking the shot. Um, I, I think there's got to be a little bit more, um, more, uh, you know, you, you got to be a little bit more forceful to to get those those shots up for AD rather than just being so quick to give them to to Kuzma or or, or Caruso or anybody else. Yep, they couldn't find a they couldn't find a way to get him those open looks. That that was quite telling. I mean, his most open looks were when he was shooting from three, and he went one for three from. Uh, I mean, he's actually he's a good three point shooter for uh, such a big guy, but that's not his game. That's not his wheelhouse. He needs to be down low and pounding guys. And if you can just keep him from getting the ball, maybe that's that is the way to um, that is the way to neutralize this uh, Laker offense. Is that so? The Frank Vogel will have to find that space, find a way to get that space for him and get him the ball maybe faster as they run up the floor or some, in some manner. Yeah, and, and even, like, there were a few possessions where, where both LeBron and AD were on the court where um, I think it was two straight possessions or maybe two out of three possessions where JaVale McGee ended up with the ball. Uh, on one on one possession, he, t- he took a running floater, uh, missed it, and, and on the next possession, he got the ball with, like, three or four seconds left on the shot clock. Um and you know that's that's definitely not how you're going to want to run your offense, and that's not the guy that you want getting the ball at the end of the possession. You know, I think I think LeBron's going to have to do a better job, of, and any, I'm sure he will, of just keeping the ball and just you know taking it himself. And uh, before we get too down uh, or too high on the Raptors or too down on the Lakers, I think we all know that LeBron always just goes to a different level once the playoffs start. I think mean, he's year 17, logged a lot of miles. You're not going to see pristine, 100% ball-to-the-wall LeBron yet. Uh, these are still important games because they want to take that one seed. I think. Yeah, and he knows when to turn it on, right? I mean, he's been there so long. He knows when he needs to uh, get into that extra gear. He's a savant. He'll break down the video here and they'll see AD. They know AD averages 18 shots a game, field goals a game, and today field goal attempts a game, and today he got seven. So they know it's get a, find a way to get the ball to AD. Yeah, so uh, another thing that I wanted to mention then is uh, just um, – the, the work that they did uh, with with Pascal taking taking the ball up the court, um, I wasn't sure how it would work out. Um, I think the first time that uh, that it happened this game, um, the possession looked a little bit sloppy. Uh, that may have been a product of just you know early in the game, the, the play just in general was was sloppy throughout. Um, but he he ended up making some great plays. You know he, he brought it down once. Um, dribbled into the lane, dished out for for a corner three, uh, and, and another possession. He he just left AD on a, I think it was a high screen, 
uh, and just his speed was too much for AD to handle and just, just took it, took it to the hole, took it strong and, and had a nice finish. Um, so I, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. And I, I also like that they didn't force it. Um, they only worked it in when they felt it was necessary. And it was, it was more for, uh, for a change of pace. There's going to be times where he needs to do that. They early in the year when they had all those injuries and they had a like they'll had games where Kyle when Kyle was hurt or when Fred was hurt, they were using him as a point forward, so to speak, and where he was dribbling it up the floor and being more of a distributor, having the ball in his hands more often. When you, I think that especially at a time where they they start both point guards together. There could be times where one of the two, Lowry or Van Vliet, may not be able to do it. So, you know, if you want to sort of give them a pseudo rest while on the while they're playing, so having Siakam in the point forward role gives them a third option to bring that ball up the floor for sure. Gives the opponent a different look to adjust to. Um, a lot of like I see what Nurse tends to do both offensively and defensively is. Just constantly changing things up, just making that defense or the offense have to like just take that of the opponent of the opponent opposing team take that moment to recalibrate themselves. Okay, what are the Raptors doing? What adjustments do we need to make? Those just few seconds sometimes are all you need to either create an open shot on offense or um, result in a turnover or shot clock violation. Uh, when they're playing defense. Let's switch tack and talk about another game. Um, the Miami Heat and Denver Nuggets. Um, now, Jimmy Butler scored 22 points. Kerry Olenek, uh, he dropped, I think, 20 in a quarter. I didn't get to watch the game. <clears throat> but Heat's always an interesting team, right? I mean, they've. Uh, I think they beat Raptors both on both occasions uh, this season. Uh, once, I think, was in overtime, and the other one was a bit of a low-scoring affair. Uh, did you guys watch the game? What do you make out of it? What do you guys think uh, for Raptors' next game on Monday? I didn't watch. I'm disappointed considering that I declared Denver as my dark horse pick two days ago. But um, <laughs> the Heat are good. I mean, you can change it to Clippers or Lakers if you want as your dark horse, right? Alex Rodriguez style. <laughs> to it. I mean, the Heat are good. I mean, Jimmy, I'm just looking at the box score right now. I mean, Jimmy Butler got 11 free throw attempts today. He went 10 for 11 from the free throw line. Uh, Bam Adebayo had 10 free throw attempts. Uh, Goran Dragic had 10. I think they. Miami had 37 free throw attempts and Denver had 24. So clearly they were, I mean, Miami was drawing a lot of foul out on Denver's defense, just did not. Uh, for whatever reason, weren't ready to go, couldn't adjust to what Miami was throwing at them. Uh, hard to really break down further considering that we I uh, didn't see the game, but uh, Skinny Jokic got only seven rebounds, so uh, I was hoping to... Uh, and 19-7-6, and six, I was hoping to maybe see a little bit more dominance on his part. Ron? Yeah, I, I touched on this last time. It's it's just going to be interesting to see how um, how Miami schemes against against the Raptors. Um, 
it, it, like we we struggle uh, we struggle a little bit against them. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we we can figure something out and we can hit some open shots. Um, I, I think we might need somebody like Norm to step up a little bit and 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 start hitting those shots. Um, but yeah, I, I mean they they have shooters um, and it, it's going to be an interesting matchup. But um, I, I think like most of these games, like it, it's um, I, I guess take it with a grain of salt because. Um, People are, are they're they're still getting in shape, still trying to trying to keep healthy. Um, kind of like you know today's game against the Lakers. Like uh, we don't want to get uh, obviously we're we're excited about it, but we don't want to get too high on on the results. But um, it, it'll be important to see how the Raptors handle handle the the defensive schemes of the Heat. Yep, as we you discussed last time uh, when they zo- they really zoned up against the Raptors a few times. Oh, a few times, those two games, uh, quite a bit, and that definitely disrupted the Raptors' offense. I think that first heat win, they went into overtime that night. It was the night where I think Lowry went like over 12 from three or something. It was his first game back from injury. So, yeah. That one, again, take with a grain of salt because for such a an extreme bad game, and they still got into OT. Uh, pretty. Uh, they still got. They still managed to uh, make it a competitive game. But yeah, I think just the Heat. They're big. They're very athletic. They're fat. They can do a lot of things, and they can shoot. They can shoot. They uh, have. They are very well coached. So they, they'll they'll be a problem for the Raptors. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, the box scores from uh, the last two games, and the one they lost in overtime, I, I think he held them to like 385, and the one where they beat them 84-76, they held them to 315. Yeah, and those those are ugly numbers. <laughs> I, I, um, and add to the fact that um, you don't have a lot of games under your belt in the last in the last like four months. Um, it, it could be like I, I don't know if you guys agree, but the, the first half of this game was was particularly frustrating. It was ugly. There were a lot of guys on the floor for some reason. Like everybody was hitting the floor. There were like bodies in the lane. Um, so I, I think this one has the potential to be a pretty frustrating game, um, maybe for both teams, um, considering that they're both uh, they're both very well coached and very good defensive teams. Awesome. So it should be an interesting game. It's a day game. I don't think if I'll be able to watch it if I still want to keep my job, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with me. So I might have to record it and uh, and watch it watch it a little bit later. But um, yeah, I, I don't want to take the chance of losing my job either. So, anything else that uh, we want to cover before we uh, finish this off? Yeah, yeah. So w- w- one last thing that uh, that I just wanted to ask you your opinions on is uh, what did you guys think about the the overall presentation? What you saw, uh, camera angles, you know, the crowd. Uh, I mean, quote unquote crowd. Um, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, honestly, for me, like I'm such I, I don't know about everyone, but I'm a creature of habit, right? Like even in soccer games, if I see one stadium, you have slightly different camera angle. It just drives me insane. It's really hard for me to. And, and I felt the same way because the angle was very different, right? Um, and uh, for me, I'd rather see those empty stands and like normal camera angles rather than all the stuff that, you know, they had around and like those fans and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, I don't enjoy that. 
I liked it. I um, the other like the games I'd watched uh, or highlights or games I'd watched the past week of the scrimmage or the scrimmages or the past couple nights I'd um, tuned into a quarter here, a quarter there. It was very hard getting into it. But I think that when I was watching a Raptor game, a team that I'm a fan of, that higher level of focus came. And then I watched the ESPN feed, which actually was kind of funny. I felt the, the fake crowd noise drowned out the commentary at times. But overall, um, I think watching your own team created that extra level of focus. And I it felt normal to me. Um I notice it more when I'm watching a team games I'm not where I don't have a vested interest and that higher level of like anxiety or stress isn't there uh, when watching it. But um, I was okay with it. Yeah, I, I I I was I had mixed feelings on it. Um, the crowd was was a little bit weird to me, especially considering that we had some empty seats. Uh, I like, I don't think that was part of the plan, but like, you know, looking at the faces, like, and I, I've watched a few other games and I didn't see as many empty seats as I did for, for the Raptors fans. Um, but I, I, the first half for me was, was really weird. I, I, I found that I wasn't really getting into it. I tried to get up for the game. I tried to get excited and I found that, that it wasn't happening. Um, and maybe that was just, uh, just, it just had to do with the fact that the, the play was a little bit sloppy and a little bit ugly. Second half, I, I found myself getting a lot more into it, and I and I, I was enjoying actually some of the some of the camera angles. There there was the one that was like very uh, NBA two K ish, where it was like um, you know panning along uh, along the sideline. Um, I, it just gives you a different perspective, and it, it like I, somebody threw an inbound pass um, out to the wing, and and you can see like the way some of these guys move and and the small uh, windows that you have to get the ball into uh, it, it, it's just impressive. And it gives you a completely different uh, line of sight than you would normally get on a, on a regular TV broadcast. And, and I like all the, I really like the space on the baseline and the sidelines. Sometimes I just find that the, the cameras and the, the, the fans just, they're, they're just, a, they're a little bit too close and it just makes me uncomfortable because I, I feel like somebody's going to get hurt and it's happened before it's happened to the Raptors. Um, so I, I, I kind of like the setup, but the no crowd noise kind of makes it weird for me. I mean, on one end, the production quality is pretty good, right? But my point is, if it's something different, then I, I wouldn't mind, like I enjoy the crowd noise, but sometimes I wouldn't mind just watching the raw game as is and, you know, it kind of get to appreciate a little bit differently, I guess. Uh, I mean, there's some other sports that we've seen, like, for example, for soccer, the zone was uh, showing two different feeds, right? One with the uh, the crowd noise, and then there was another with stadium sound. And I thought it was pretty cool because you know you actually see all those big players and how the communication goes and everything. I, I thought that it, it, it's it's a neat different angle, in my opinion. Yeah, and and the soccer games like that was it, it was a little bit weird for me um, to to actually like accept the the piped in crowd noise. So I probably would have opted for um, for just the the feed without anything, where you can just hear the players talking and and the whistle and everything. And that's kind of what I was going into the whole bubble experience. Um, like I was thinking that that's probably what I would like for the NBA. You know, just hearing the the ball bounce, uh, the squeaking of the sneakers, the player chatter. Um, but I've 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 bought into the extra 
uh, glitz and glamour that they've added. All right. I think this is probably a good time to end our episode. Thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoyed our episode, please subscribe, share, write a review. We'd always appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Have yourself a great day. Thanks, everyone. Good night.